Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. It is now time for the club matches to go on hold and the international calendar to take centre stage. However, although there's a break in the fixture list, there's never any let up in the discussions in the chat around Celtic. Neil Lennon's team have now ended the first period in their campaign and although the domestic scene has started well enough with three wins and a draw from four games in the Premiership title race, the hurt of the Champions League exit to Ferenc Varos has dealt the club a major blow. So, on this week's record podcast, we'll reflect on what's gone on so far, what's coming up and what's on the agenda at the club at the moment. It is with great delight that we will be joined by former Celtic hero Chris Sutton. He'll be with us over the next 40 minutes or so to dissect the issues around Celtic Park at the moment. And given he's the one that everyone wants to hear from, there's no point wasting any more time. So, Chris, how are you? <laughs> yeah, very, very well. Thank you. Yeah, looking forward to this. Yeah, uh, it's been a yeah, no, thanks very much. Yeah, all very complimentary. Uh-huh. Uh, but it's been it's been tricky, hasn't it, for Celtic? It's been a it's been a difficult start. I think that that's a, that's a pretty obvious thing to say uh, to say. But lots of work to do. Not a good start, uh, you know, with going out of the Champions League and uh, and you know with the nature of uh, of the team which Neil selected in the game, going with no centre forward. I think that uh, that he got his selection badly wrong. It's been up and down, Chris. Obviously, um, the Hamilton game was a success on day one. Then there was the setback on the on the artificial pitch at Kilmarnock. And then it was kind of up again and then down again with the European ties. And it's been a real mixed bag, hasn't it? But certainly after uh, the, the, the recent two games, Ferenc Varos and Motherwell at Celtic Park, the, the two games prior to the break have raised some serious debate. And you just made the mention there about the manager getting the team selection wrong. Um, for the Ferenc Varos game, certainly. I mean, what have you made of the, all the fallout of that, Chris? Um, I think that uh, th- th- there's always massive pressure at the start of the season with, with the Champions League uh, games, which which come up so early. But you know, we we have the same conversation every year. Um, Celtic don't do the work early enough. They sat on the hands and uh, and haven't brought players in. Uh, who who are ready to go in the team? How frustrated would the manager be with that? Um, well, I think he'll be he'll certainly be frustrated, but he has to carry the can as well uh, mm-hmm. for this. I mean, the fact of the matter is, you, you have to talk about the situation: Odson Edward uh, being out of the team, being unfit. These things do happen. He's he's the star man, of course. Celtic could have done with him being fit. But the fact that Celtic didn't have another fit striker, uh, I know Neil Lennon said that Klimala, Patrick Klimala wasn't fit, but I think he's been uh, training all pre-season, so I didn't get that one. I think Celtic were extremely slow in signing uh, a Yeti, and there may have been complications with getting the deal done, and I understand that. Um, 
but um, you know, needs must, and Celtic really needed to make the effort to get that deal done earlier, or another player in, and then you have to go back and look at the Lee Griffith situation. You know, that was a, a complete shambles, and and you know, uh, the whole the whole Griffiths attitude um, throughout throughout the lockdown uh, has been a massive, massive disappointment, and you have to say. When you chuck all those um, factors into the mix, um, you know that's why Celtic aren't in the in, in the next qualifying round, and it's a massive disappointment to go out in the second uh, qualifying round. Uh, no matter who you're playing, uh, I can't. I don't know. You, you you'll know better than me whether Celtic have ever been uh, knocked out earlier than that, but I don't think they have. And it was a game that that they certainly should have won. And uh, it's a it's a bit it's a pill. To swallow, and then Neil's reaction after the game, coming out and saying that players wandered away. I have to say, I thought that was a deflection tactic from the fact that he would have been maybe regretting not not starting with a centre forward, and also the fact that Celtic have made a complete mess, a hash of uh, of the preseason with their planning. They failed to prepare, and uh, and it's you know it's disappointing. We've got the Europa now, of course, which is something to look forward to. But having said all that, um, there's so much work to do, but the season is still retrievable. The, given the fact you've taken us on to the Europa, we'll, we'll, we'll deal with that now. Um, a tie in either Latvia or San Marino in the third qualifying round and then a one-off game in the playoff, which mm. Celtic are unlikely to be seeded in. So... I think, as, as was discussed in the broadcast previously, it's no guarantee that Celtic will make it through. For the group stages, it's imperative they do, though, isn't it, Chris? Because although the 10 in a row is hugely important, massively important for a lot of the supporters and domestic success is the bread and butter, not having mm. European football will be an amazing blow, wouldn't it? Oh, absolutely. We know about the, the financial impact not having European football would have on the club. Um, but, you know, aside from that, just from a supporter's point of view, you can't get away from the fact that it would be a massive, massive disappointment when you look back to last season, what Celtic achieved in in the Europa League. OK, it was disappointing to go out to Copenhagen in the end, but the the games against Latvia, the victory in Italy, one of the most memorable nights, I think, that, that Celtic fans would have had in years and years so Celtic fans need European competition to to really get the, the, the teeth stuck into and Chris this uh, would be a good time for you know. to set an argument on this one because that's Celtic have failed to qualify for the group stages of the Champions League now five of the last seven years mm. and there is often the debate about Champions League club or Europa League club and as you have alluded to last season the ties against Lazio were standout moments in the season the season before the, the victory over Leipzig at Celtic Park was another but hugely entertaining night for the supporters and yeah. many supporters argued it was far more preferable to have exciting evenings like that rather than losing seven goals to Paris Saint-Germain and Barcelona and such like where do you stand on the Europa League Champions League club argument because Celtic will always argue they're a Champions League club however Michael Gannon was on the podcast last week and said the evidence does not add up to that when you look at the failure to qualify. Where do you stand? Um, I think it's very, it's very, very difficult for Celtic to uh, compete in the Champions League. I get that. Financially, they can't live with, with the clubs from the five big leagues 
um, in Europe. We know that. But having said that, we've seen success, uh, you know, over the over the last few seasons when you actually, um, you know, look at what Ajax did um, getting through to uh, uh, to the semi-final with, you know, a club with a with a small budget, a, a similar budget to what uh, to what Celtic would have. You know, it, it can be done. So I don't think that uh, that it, it's it's a good thing for us all to get very defeatist about the Champions League and going into it and thinking that Celtic have absolutely no chance over the years that, that uh, Celtic can compete. And they're the nights everybody looks forward to. But OK, the Europa is the secondary competition, but it's still uh, an excellent competition to be involved in. And we only have to, you mentioned Leipzig, you, you mentioned Lazio. We only have to look at the excitement that those nights have, have brought to the Celtic support and the team and, and the buzz and the confidence the players um, uh, got from winning those games. To to not be dismissive of, uh, of of the Europa League as a competition, but Celtic should always be aspiring to to play in the biggest and the best competition, and that is the Champions League. And the fact that in in recent seasons that hasn't happened, uh, and, and, and over the last decade it hasn't happened enough, is a massive disappointment. And of course, Celtic fans will look. Yeah, sorry, go on, Chris. So I said, Celtic fans will always look back to you know when you talk to Celtic supporters, they'll always look back and to, uh, to, you know and talk about the big European nights. Of course, domestic football is important as it's the bread and butter, but those are the games the fans talk about. They are the great memories of playing against the big boys, beating the big boys, whether it's you know at home in front of a, a packed out Celtic Park. That's where that's what the supporters remember. So. Celtic have to try and get back there and we know that I think that Peter Law will not say a, a couple of seasons ago about the impact Celtic need to qualify for the Champions League was it two or three out of every five seasons yeah, the one have to go about selling the best one players one every three or something like that mm. yeah and that is the knock on effect isn't it Chris because the the, the attraction of of, attra- of getting Virgil van Dijk's and Moussa Dembele's mm. and Odson Edwards to the club would be the lure of you will be showcased in the group stages of the Champions League and you will have the opportunity to move on. Um, and, and that's one of the major selling points. And if you don't have that, I would guess it makes it slightly more difficult or maybe majorly more difficult to keep the model working in the way that Celtic would like it to work. Because obviously, if you can't, that the Champions League's not available this year. Is it fair to say that makes it trickier? You know, Neil Lennon yeah. had alluded before the Ferenc Varos tie, alluded to the fact that if group stage football could be obtained, it may help him with one or two that he may have been looking at in the transfer market. You would guess now yeah. a red pen has gone through those names because they're not there. So it does make it more difficult. Yeah, of course that will have a financial impact on who Neil can bring in and how many Neil can bring in and the quality of player that Neil would like to bring in. And then, you know, of course it's about holding on to your best players and, I think everybody in truth now is looking um, at will Celtic be able to keep Odson Edward? Uh, does Odson Edward want to stay? Um, that, I, I saw what is uh, one of his representatives uh, said that uh, about Champions League football isn't the be all and end all, and he seemed to be suggesting that Odson is happy, but things can change. And if you're Odson Edward, of course, you know you want to play Champions. 
Champions League football. You do. So the fact getting not knocked out against Ferenc Varos is a, is a bitter, bitter disappointment. And it will it will be interesting to see over the next few weeks the impact that it will have on, um, on this Celtic squad and who leaves the club. Because, you know, Neil also mentioned about players wanting out. Well, maybe it will become more and more apparent over the next few weeks who wants out and who Neil is prepared to sell. Well, Chris, that probably brings us nicely to another point because it's now that uh, I'm sure there's been there has been plenty of looking back. We've done enough of that. Um, it's a case of looking forward for Celtic now. Um, and if you look at who has arrived, mm. Vasilis Barkas, Ajeti, as you mentioned, David Turnbull, El Yunusi resigned again, Shane Duffy in the door. Well, it, that's over fifteen million pounds or around fifteen million pounds. The effects of the COVID mm. and people not coming through the gates, the loss of the yeah. Champions League money. We'll get to the part about what you think about the guys who've come in. I know you've spoken about whether they came in on time is another question, but just about the quality of the guys who've come in, especially Turnbull and Duffy, who are only just in in the last week or so. But do you believe it's now inevitable that someone will have to go? Because in general, when Celtic don't make the group stages of the Champions League, one of the big hitters has to leave, and that's without the outlay that we've discussed and the COVID situation. So do you think it's inevitable now that one, maybe even more than one, may go? Um, do I think it's inevitable? I, I think somebody will leave. I, I couldn't actually sit there at the moment, hand on heart, and and uh, and say who's the most likely to leave. I still stand by what I say, that Celtic cannot sell Odson Edward this window, no matter what the cost. And I know Celtic are... A, how do they convince him then? That's the way it goes. How do they convince him? Um, how do they convince him? Well, I think they, you know, he's he's been happy since he's been at the club. He seemed happy. Um, it's it's look. If a player wants to go, then he wants to go. But he doesn't seem to be uh, the type who's a bad egg to me. He always seems to have had a, a, a decent attitude. Uh, always seem to, to to have been happy in a Celtic jersey, and he may will just have to sit this season through. Getting ten is of paramount importance. So you you know what's the best the the best situation for Celtic to be in to get ten is Rodson Edward to stay. He he'll understand the importance of, of how big ten is. They cannot let him go. And, and it's, and also, it's it, also important to stress, Chris Hodgson, Edward, at no point, and, and I know that players under contract are not going to come out and say, I would like to leave. That's obviously silly. That's never going to happen. But as you say, he's always come across as perfectly happy. So yeah. he, he, look, he, maybe, he doesn't need convincing. He's, he's, he's happy enough, and, and, and most of the noise is coming from elsewhere about buying clubs who would like to get him. Of course, clubs are going to make noise about wanting to get him, but... There's no guarantee that he actually wants to go. He might be quite happy where he is. No, but, but on the flip side of that, he may have been into Neil then and, and, and he may have said, well, you know, there's, there's a lot of interest from, from ex-club, from wherever, in France, in Spain, down south in England, in, in Italy. I don't know. And I want to leave. But he's under contract. And, and the fact of the matter is, is, you know, this... this this happens a lot. Players want to leave, but the importance of ten in a row is too great to let a player of his ability go. And he doesn't seem the type to me who will who will go on and sulk. Celtic have been brilliant for Odds and Edward, and he, he realizes that. I know they spent nine million pounds on a, on a development player, but it's you can't. 
had before the, the fans will burn the stadium down. And the atmosphere at the moment, I think that Neil Lennon has, has certainly put pressure on himself. I think that fans are looking at the club and saying, you better not mess this up now. You better not mess this season up now, Neil Lennon, Peter Lawwell. You know, so do not sell Odds and Edward. If they sold Edward now, the fact of the matter is, 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 is a Yeti as good as Edward? No, is Klimala as good? Edward, absolutely not. What's going to happen with Lee Griffiths? Celtic would be leaving themselves short, and they're not going to spend millions and millions of pounds on a, on another striker. That's just that's absolutely not going to happen. So it's of it's of paramount importance that regardless of of whether Edward has had the conversation and wants to go, or you know whatever, that they do not let him leave. I mean, we've seen what, so, well, you know, his, his value would have gone up the fact he didn't play against Ferenc Varos once sure. again because Celtic without odds and Edward just are not the same team. They've, you know, they, they just look so reliant on him. But having said all that, I mean, we'll, you know, we'll never know because another strike wasn't wasn't picked to, to start the last couple of games and they looked a different team with whatever anybody says about Klimala and the chances he missed when he came on against Motherwell. Celtic looked a better team with him in the lineup. There's obviously it's it's amazing how football can turn, and, and, and we've all seen that teams and lineups change dramatically from when a transfer window comes to an end. And sometimes a team in the middle of the season can look nothing like a team did at the start of the season. Mm. The debates and arguments and about no strikers and formations. You know, Celtic's next game against Ross County and Dingwall. You would assume. Albion Ajeti will be up to full fitness. Hodgson Edward should be back to fitness. Shane mm. Duffy looks as though he's going to be in the door, as in the door. Yeah. He could be going to the 3 5 2 in a very strong team again. Um, can I ask you also on that, Chris, but also on, can you give us a view on David Turnbull and Shane Duffy? We haven't spoken to you about them um, since those deals were. Yeah. Um, David Turnbull, um, am I am I really excited about the signing? I think it's you know it seems an, an okay piece of business, and I hope he goes on to to have a you know a really strong career for Celtic. I can't say it was one of those which really got me out of my seat. I think that he's a you know he's obviously a talented player. I'm really pleased for him that he's had a, a serious injury and. Come out the other side. Chris Celtic were criticised strongly for not going in and obtaining John McGinn in a similar yeah. situation. And a um, year down the line, John McGinn's value became clear. So, yeah, I think I, I, it's probably fair that, that, that Celtic have concluded good business here to go and get Turnbull now. Yeah, but I think that uh, in my view, I think that McGinn had had proven himself more. And, and you may counter that argument and say, well, you know, in your view, that he hadn't. But I think. McGinn Again, was uh, you know was one which Celtic should have gotten over the line, but I can't you know I can only tell you how I feel. I, I, you yeah. know, is is David Turnbull going to going to be in Celtic's starting eleven at this moment in time? Who, who, whose place is he going to take? I don't I don't see him starting at this moment in time. He will be a work in progress, as far as I can see. Does it mean that it's the end of Olivia and Sham? I think it does. That that that's you know it, it looks like Turnbull's come in and. The, you know, and Sham uh, will will possibly be the one who who is sold and who is let go. But I I have to say, I know and Sham's coming for a bit of criticism at the you know at the start of the season. I don't think Neil Lennon necessarily helped by 
saying about players wanting away and, and supporters assuming that Encham would be one of those players. But I think Encham's a, a really good footballer. I think he can play a number of positions, a number of positions as well. So I'm not... I'm I'm not one of those who's in a hurry to um, for, for uh, Olivia and Cham to leave Celtic uh, Football Club at all. You know, I, I'd like him to stay. If Celtic want to win the ten and 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 improve in European competition, I think and Cham's a, a decent footballer. I, I, I personally, I don't think Celtic should be letting any other players go, mm-hmm. other than Bolingoli, who 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 they can let go wherever. The fact of the matter is, is Celtic have got issues in the left back area. I'm glad Shane. Is, is is in and you quite rightly said that now Celtic look like they may be able to go back to the uh, system which was uh, so good for them last season by Duffy coming in and their three centre-halves and I think he's a brilliant signing because he's a defender in my view who, who absolutely loves defending he's strong in the air he's a good organiser I think okay I think it was Aaron Webster who went in at, at Brighton last season and, and was the preferred partner to Lewis Dunk, but still, I think Shane Duffy played nearly 20-odd games in the Premier League, and the, the partnership which he forged down south with Lewis Dunk was a brilliant centre-back partnership, and why Brighton were uh, have been a, a really stable Premier League club. So I think it's it's a superb piece of business. I really do. Uh, you know, I think that's one where you have to credit Celtic for getting it over the line. Having said all that, it would have been a, a darn sight more helpful had they got the deal over the line a couple of weeks ago. And, and that's, this is that's the age-old argument. I don't want to go back. Yeah. Yeah. But, it's like, but it's like every year. It's every year we have the South Brown Dog Day, isn't it? We, we say the same things. Get your business done early. Get your business done early. And then when the Champions League games come around, you're not going to have your pants pulled down. And because because we, don't it's, know, it's we don't know, Chris, but the chances are that, listen, we could, we could be wrong here, but the chances are the terms of that deal didn't change spectacularly in the course of seven days. Yep, yep. And <laughs> no, that's, that's absolutely right. But it's just the necessity. Ha- when everybody talks about the, the finance involved with the Champions League and how important it, it really is, surely the, the wheels should start turning much, much earlier because the process is so important. That money is so important to bring players in for the club to be in a better position, to, to have more stability, to have more options. So why? You know, and I, I have to say, I don't think you can single out any particular de- Department. I, th- I think you have to look all the way across the club here from top to bottom and say Celtic didn't get the work done. And that is the reason which why they're now um, in, in Europa League qualifiers and they're going to have the danger because said they're, they're both one-leggers. Anything can happen in the old one-leggers. You can, you know, deflected goal, ascending off, a poor refereeing decision. Anything can happen. It's not it, It's not as straightforward. I've been there as a player myself. You know, so, some nights it just may not be your night. We saw it against Ferenc Varos, and I'm not. I'm not having this Celtic deserved uh, to win the game and, and created so many chances. I don't think the Ferenc Varos keeper had too many saves to make. There was the one down um, to his right hand side with Christie, uh, second half where Christie had, uh, had worked a yard for himself, uh, and uh, and Sham hit the bar. I got that one. Yeah. 
it's uh, you know Neil Neil got his selection badly wrong. I have to say that is is a former teammate of mine. I think he's done a brilliant job since uh, he's come in. But I really think that he's you know his selection over the the last couple of games, and I know he's used um, fitness issues for Klimala and Ayeti uh, as as a reason. And of course, uh, I'm not party to what goes on at the Celtic training ground. I, you know, I don't I don't know what goes on. I don't know how fit these players are, but I find the Klimala one really really odd because, as far as it's looked to me, he has been training all preseason, and when he's come on. And I was quite critical of him last, but when he's come on, he's um, he's actually looked a bit of a menace and led the line okay. I'm not saying his finishing is is top draw. It's not yet, but Celtic look a different team. And of course, Celtic, as uh, by playing Ryan Christie up top, they're actually missing out from the job that he can do just in behind and and he hasn't been the same player and he's another player i think because of the you know the words which neil said about players wanting away who's who's in the list with a, a certain section of fans as assuming that he wants away because he hasn't um uh, uh, signed a new deal as as far and as yeah, that, that that comes across as, as far as i know the totally. game before Ferenc Sparos Ryan Christie was the best player and the most industrious yeah. player when Celtic won at Tannadice so Yep, so it, it hasn't helped Ryan Christie, this situation, at all. The, the issue Celtic have when Ryan Christie plays uh, as a centre-forward is the fact that against Ferenc Faros, and the same happened against Motherwell, everything was in front of the back line. He likes to, it's his natural game to, to come short, to come towards the ball, and not to... Uh, and not to stretch and uh, and peel in a di- on a diagonal. That's not his game. You know, he he makes different types of of movements. Is is not that type of player. Soon as Celtic made that switch, they looked a better team, and they would have won the Motherwell game anyway. I think that that's that that's fair to say. And you know, I'm not saying it looked like Neil was quite stubborn with his selection. I was expecting Clamala to uh, to start. I was I was shocked with that. Even even a Yeti, and I don't understand with a Yeti. You know how many how many days does he need to train to get up to speed? He must have been in a pretty horrific condition when he first went in at Celtic. And bearing in mind the Premier League down south finished late, you know he sort of let himself go a little bit. So um, you know Neil will want him fit and firing uh, as quickly as possible. I, I, I thought the goalie, uh, the, um, the the goal which he scored at the weekend against Motherwell was a top finishing, ruthless finishing, and that's a good sign. But, you know, as as we all well know, these league games are, are so important. It looks like it's going to be difficult for Celtic with the, with the, the catch-up game, which they're going to have to play. They're behind Rangers at the moment. And they're going to have to just go on a run and be ruthless, ruthless, ruthless. But it's not going to be easy. The next stretch of games are so important to, to, to Celtic because as you mentioned, Chris, um, there's games to be to be caught up on due to the the matches that had to be missed because of the ball and golly situation and the COVID. Um, one of the, the when Celtic were scheduled to be playing the next tie in the in the Champions League, actually that match against one of the games against St Mirren and Paisley has been placed in there. So Celtic will return, get one of those games out of the way. The period between now and the next international break in October, every period in a season is important, Chris, but given the fact one of those catch-up games is in there, the qualifiers for the Europa League, it's a, it's a huge part of the season, isn't it? Plus, the managers, Neil Lennon, has spoken about maybe a couple more new faces as well. It, 
it has the potential to be a really pivotal period in the season, doesn't it, before the next international break in October? Yeah, crucial, uh, crucial spell. I mean, you can argue all spells are crucial. I mean, the fact of the matter is, I think we're all sitting here, um, you know, and the Celtic fans will all be thinking, let's hope that this has been our blip and, we, and we've got it out of the way. I really think it's imperative that Celtic act and get a, a left back in as well, because I worry for Greg Taylor. Um, uh, you know, it, where where is the cover for that mm-hmm. side? And I know James Forrest uh, did, a, did an admirable job left wing back the other day, or you can move El Hamid across or, or Frimpong across. What do you but, mean you worry for Greg Taylor? What do you mean by um, that? I, if I'm honest, I think the jury is still well and truly out on, on Greg Taylor. I know at Kilmarnock, you've had on a, you know, a, a, a smaller pitch uh, and, and was a useful player there, a good player there. That's doing him a disservice. But I think that Celtic, no doubt, is a is a step up. And I'm, you know, I, I think the jury is well and truly out on him. I don't want to go early. I, I, I just think that looking at him at this moment in time, I am. I think that it's an area of concern. I, I think that it'll be interesting in the in the big big games, which are, you know are due to come up. How he how he copes defensively. Uh, I think that you know we've seen in in games this season that. Uh, you know, it, it it's important to stop the cross, defend strongly, and I'm I'm not so sure that I'm not so sure really if I, if I'm totally honest that uh, I you know I don't want to go early on this that uh, that he's you know he he's good enough to uh, to to play there regularly for Celtic, but let's just wait and see. I'm not so you know I don't I don't want to make a call either way. I just think it's an area where Celtic certainly could strengthen and, and again I don't want to bang on about the Johnny Hayes loss but I think that he's he's you know it's it's baffling really how he's uh, been allowed to go over to to Aberdeen Well Celtic to move to 3-5-2 that system that worked so successfully in the second half of last season Chris that you've spoken about a lot and and given your reservations mm-hmm. or okay reservations maybe that's maybe too strong a word but your discussions there about Greg Taylor here's one for you Supporters may want answered. If Celtic play three five two, could Mohamed El Yunusi play left of the five, or does he know of the defensive capability? Or no. you know, uh, or, and, and, I mean, yeah. what is the option? You, you you tell the supporters what the option. Well, there is isn't an option. Go for. Uh, well, there, there isn't an option, and and this and this is the issue which Celtic have. Celtic need and, to get you one. Know, you mentioned El Yunusi. Yeah, and you you know if it's three five two. And you mentioned James Forrest. Is it ideal James Forrest, El Yunusi, Celtic getting the Europa um, in the Europa group stage, and they're playing as a as a left wing back. El Hamed coming over on his wrong foot. It's unfair uh, on James uh, Forrest. Again, Chris, this is something you've discussed in the past. That would be James Forrest moving all over the pitch again to accommodate yeah. and help out, which has affected him in the past. And you've spoken about it in your newspaper column. Yeah. He's the go-to guy. He's the one yeah, who I- can move about, and move positions. And he suffers because of it. Yeah, I get I get fed up with the criticism of James Forrest. Okay, he hasn't had a an unbelievable start to the season, but neither have a lot of the Celtic players. But he's one that a lot of fans they just get on his back. I mean, brilliant goal at the weekend, which he scores. He's selfless. He plays in various positions. He plays them well. He always gives his lot. It's, it's always difficult. It's all you know, difficult in my time. Uh, the wide players at Celtic were the ones who really got it in the neck uh, from from the support. Um, but I think he's, he's such an important player because Neil knows he can play him in a number of 
positions and that he will play them well. Just just touching on the Greg Taylor thing as well. I, you know, I'm not I'm not giving Greg Taylor a kick in here. I just think that that's an area where Celtic, you know, can can uh, can improve. And certainly, if we, if Celtic go to the back three and play wing backs, I think it's an issue for Taylor. I think his delivery is excellent in the final third, but you actually need a real all-rounder to play in that wing-back role. And when I say an all-rounder, you need a really strong defender, and I think that the jury's out on his defending. And I think going forward, you need somebody who can create that little half a yard and whip the ball in or, or go past players, someone with an attacking threat. And I don't see that in, uh, in Greg Taylor's game. He doesn't have that. He doesn't have that pace. He doesn't have that belief where, he'll be, you know, it, like like a haze would where he'll push the ball past somebody and, and turn it into a foot race. I still think that, uh, that he's got a lot of work to do. I think he's neat and tidy, but you know, could, could Celtic do better in that area? I think possibly they could. Greg Taylor's going to be one of many Celtic players. Who, and despite the COVID restrictions in various areas of Europe over the next few days in the current days, um, representing their countries, it's always a worry for managers, Chris, but I guess it's even more of a worry for Neil Lennon just now as he's piecing things together he could do without one of them coming back, struggling. He's, he's already spoken about speaking to the Swiss about the situation with the Jetty, um, or a Yeti, I should say, um, mm. and his conditioning and such like. Um, a concern for, for, the, for the Celtic manager, so many players going away, or is that just par for the course with football now? I think I think it's par for the course. I think this is you know the issue is is Celtic need need strength and depth within their squad, and they need a, they need a strong squad. Now they've got uh, Duffy in. All of a sudden, or if the Duffy deal is done, it looks like you know it's going to go over the line. All of a sudden, Celtic are in a position where you think, well, centre back wise, you know, I know there's talk of Christopher I going, but that's just that's just daft. Celtic need to need to have uh, enough numbers, and in the sense the back position now they do El Hamid has had injuries as well hasn't he so they can't you know can't afford to to sell another one of the the centre halves absolutely not so and I think if you look all the way through the squad um, you know there are still areas of concern and and the the striking one being an area uh, as well in terms of fitness and, and players but these things happen for for managers the players will go away and and Neil will be Neil Lennon will be praying that, uh, that that they come back and and they're free from injury. Um, but you know you can't help these things, and he can't, you know he, that's just that's just part and parcel, isn't it? When you talk about depth of squad, one other issue that going forward has and it raises its its head every single season, and you've been part of it as well yourself, Chris. And you've you've made a comment, you've retracted it, you've re- said you got it wrong, but the Scott Brown debate continues to come up time and time again. And you speak about Turnbull uh-huh. coming into the club, you say it would be a mistake for Encham to leave despite that. There's Ryan Christie, there's Callum McGregor. Is the time approaching now for Scott Brown just to reduce the games to be reduced slightly, do you feel? Just, just bring his workload down a little bit? Or do you still believe he has to be there week in, week out? Um... Yeah, I think there can be a you know a, a sensible argument um, with Scott Brown, and he's getting to All an arguments age on here are uh, now Chris. where, Come on. yeah, yeah, but I mean, but you know, I, I don't like the argument with Scott Brown that 
you know, he's gone, he's finished. And then there are some Celtic fans who, you know, come out with that. I, you know, I, I think we, you know, you, you were referring to a few years ago where we, where I'd said that, not we, sorry, where I'd said that, uh, <laughs> that, that Scott Brown, you know, maybe, maybe, you know, that would be the end for him at Celtic. He certainly proved me wrong um, with, with the levels of his fitness. To be fair to you, Scott Brown himself, conducted himself. <laughs> Yeah, I've got total, total admiration uh, for him and, and what he's achieved at Celtic. And I just, I don't, I don't like, there's, a, there's, there's an undercurrent, I think, with him that now people are looking at him because it's been a slow start to the season and it's the usual, well, let's blame Scott Brown, let's get him out of the team. But I do think that there is the argument where uh, it, it, it may suit him better at times where... The fact that he can he can miss the odd game, so he can rest and recuperate, and and then be stronger in in certain games. I think that 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 would be uh, logical and a logical step. Chris, you've the been next there. logical step for him. You you've been there, Chris. Can you give yeah. us an insight into at that stage of your career? Um, and this isn't the usual Mickey take, by the way. I mean, that's what sensibly at that stage. <laughs> is that stage of a football career and? especially the position where Scott plays, is it better to be taken in and out for rests as a player or do you need to keep playing at that stage to try and keep the fans? What's the best way? How did you find it? What was best for you to keep well, the, playing? Stay on top of the fitness or what? I think Scott... Well, I finished at 34. Um, I think Scott Brown, Scott Brown must be 35. Is he 35 now? 35. Anyway, yeah. but he's, he's, in bed, he's in better nick than... Um, than I was. The the issue you have is is he is that Scott Brown is probably Scott Brown's biggest issue in that he will be telling Neil Lennon that he wants to play in every game. But there comes a time when I, I think that he has to he has to look after himself and the manager has to look after him as well. And it's just just easing him out, missing the odd game so he's you know so he can be dynamic and it is very very best but but the type of person I think which he is we all know how driven he is he will be desperate to keep playing because that's all he's known for the last however many years 16 17 years that he wants to play he wants to compete he wants to be part of it he has that hunger and desire to to, to do so but in the best interests of the team at times I think it's uh you know it's one of those as you get older just just to have the odd break just yeah. you know the the odd midweek game off put your feet up play somebody else and uh and i think that the team benefits and scott brown would benefit from that i mean I, you know i've held hands up and said the other the other season what i said about him i was wrong but i think now that there is a sensible argument to be had not that not the scott brown's finished or scott brown isn't finished and the extreme it has to be extreme at both ends and you know he's done and or he's you know he's he's the greatest player in the celtic team there's a halfway house here and uh, it just needs to be to be thought out uh, and i think that it, that it makes sense yeah play, is that where, is play that where, fewer games but play them well is that where duffy's a big signing um chris and the reason i say that is I was fortunate enough recently to be to be one of the guys and that was inside Tannadice when, when celtic played there and you could with no crowd in the stadium you could hear scott brown to the other players in the team Within 10, mm. 15 minutes of the game, they weren't putting it in the front players. And Cham mm. was playing advanced. Uh, Edward, yep. Christie, and he got after them after 10 minutes. 
and everybody talks about setting the standards and how he sets the standards in training. But you could actually hear it yeah. from the sidelines, and it was quite an eye opener, you know, to, to you know, or an ear opener um, when he did it, and it gave you an indication of what he's like on the pitch, and probably why Neil Lennon wants him there every single game because no one gets to let the standards slip for a second when he's on the pitch, even if he's not having his best game. Would it take a McGregor to step forward, Callum yeah. McGregor, or a Duffy, or someone to become that person to allow Scott Brown to get the time at the team? Well, I think it. Yeah, I mean, they, you know, everybody has different uh, different traits and and different strengths, and and Scott Brown seems to be very vocal. He seems to be extremely well respected within the dressing room. I mean, that's Usually. that's a very obvious thing to say. Callum, Callum McGregor seems to be a different type. He seems to be more of a more of an introvert of of, of a character, more of a quieter character, but. He does his talking through his football. You know, he's a fantastic footballer. Um, you know, where I think that Shane Duffy coming in, I think that we're all sitting, looking, thinking that Celtic have another leader now on the pitch, somebody who who will be vocal, who understands the club, a defender, a, a, a rugged type, uh, a defender with a, a big heart who likes to defend, will go and attack the ball, crosses, throw-ins, you know, he'll be the one really going to attack it and the aggressor and driving other players on. I think that's the attribute which which uh, Shane Duffy will bring in. I mean, it, it's it's not just another body in which Celtic needed. It's a, it, it's a body and a signing which, in my opinion, will lift the whole place. But now he has to come in and there'll be a a lot of excitement amongst the Celtic support and he'll have to knuckle down and perform well but it certainly gives Celtic uh, and Neil Lennon options now at the back that you know he can play a different system now and he can rest players but Shane Duffy coming in shouldn't mean a departure of another centre half of the club that would that would be idiotic That sounds like just about the perfect note to end when you're speaking to me Chris idiotic um, anything else you want to get off your chest before I let you go? Oh, I've got plenty I can get off my chest, uh, Craig, but just just not now. Am I in trouble, Craig? No, I'm fine. Oh, I've had a. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. no, I thoroughly enjoyed it. No, that's uh, there's plenty to talk about, and you know, of course, it's uh, it'll be an interesting few weeks because there's so much up in the air, isn't it? Still what might happen it's been you have to say it's been a it's been a disappointing start and i think that that the neil lennon's put a bit of pressure on himself with the nature of some of his some of his uh, team selection um i think with the nature of, of of what has gone on at the club over the last few months i think that you could you could look at the club honestly and say with the likes of griffiths and bolingoli has there been a, uh, a discipline issue um, at the club, but you know the fact of the matter is um, is that it's been a it's been a poor start. It's really retrievable, but it's, it's always madness, isn't it? At, you know, at Celtic, it's triumph or disaster. There's never anything in between, which always always makes it exciting to you know to to follow Celtic. It was exciting when I played there. It's exciting now when I've finished, and uh, you know, there's never a dull moment. Always plenty to talk about. No in-betweens, Chris. It's either a left foot volley into the top corner against Juventus or a 
side foot wide of the post <laughs> against Basel to miss the group stages. Yeah, it's yeah. just there's no middle ground. Yeah. Well, that wasn't a bad miss actually. You should have you should you should have actually said slipping over, taking a penalty against Dundee United in the cup final. That's what you should have said. I just, I, I just thought it was too bad I wanted to bring up. That would have been accurate, dug, though. You, you were dug out for that Basel miss the other week. I can't remember who by. It was, it was someone in one of the teams. That yeah, that, that's playing. ridiculous. I mean... Yeah. Yeah, I, don't I, care, I don't care who... That wasn't a miss. Very harsh. Well, it wasn't a miss. Anybody who knows anything about football would say that that was desperately unlucky. I mean, uh, anybody who says it's a miss from, just I a think it's 20 yards or whatever it was, is, it, right. is an idiot. Who, who said that? <laughs> I can't remember. Who said, I want to know who said that. Because whoever <laughs> said that should be struck off. On that note, Chris, it's been, yeah. it's been a pleasure. Chris, thanks very much for your time. We really appreciate it. Thank you. Cheers, Craig. Thanks to everyone for listening. Good luck. <laughs>